0: You're listening to Maya, my ambition, your ambition. You will hear me say, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And that's not my coined phrase, but I love it because it's true. The minute something challenges you, you have to ask yourself, what do you do with it? Be sure to check out this and other episodes at mayaakai.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Maya. My ambition. Your ambition. If you're a first-time listener, then welcome aboard. A little, I guess, advice. Buckle up for safety. But it's never dangerous. And of course, if you're a returning listener, welcome back to the podcast that I like to describe as conversations that look to embrace salient topics from a fresh forward-thinking perspective. I like to see myself that way, and I tend to feel that I'm spot-on, and that's really truly being objective about that perspective, I swear. (laughs) But as always, the focus of the podcast is to pull back that veil of self-doubt and sabotage that plagues every single one of us in our lives at some point of time. But more importantly, It's to help you to identify the ambitions that you have in your life. And remember ambitions, and this goes back to episode one, our goals, dreams, objectives. You know, ambition is a big word. So first of all, one of the things you should be working on throughout any of my episodes is identifying what is my ambition? What am I trying to achieve in my life? Why do I think this is missing? And why is this something I want to do? So that ambition piece is always going to be so key. But then you got to move past once you identify what your ambitions are, is to figure out how to harness the motivation to help you to yield that satisfaction and success that we all seek in our daily lives. Let me tell you something. It's about the little things. One of my favorite songs by Bush is it's called Little Things. It's the little things that kill. It's interesting. From a lot of people who happen to be alternative rock people, you'll know it. If not, you're like, who in God's name is Bush? But either way, The point is that sometimes we get so fixated on the big successes in our lives, we fail to understand it's the little things, it's the little successes that add up to help to pave the way to get to the big successes. And that's part of what Maya seeks to do is help you to figure out to get fulfillment from your everyday life so that you're not waiting for that big thing to happen to really find satisfaction and fulfillment. So with that being said, Uh, Just in case you need to catch up on previous episodes, this is episode six, so there's five previous that are truly worthy of listening to. I swear I'm not giving you shameless self-promotion. They're worth listening to. But just in case you got to catch up or just refresh, remember you can always find previous episodes of Maya in iTunes, Google Play, and our podcast platforms. But I always say the easy thing to do is you can always listen via my website, mayaakai.com. So that's the ways you can listen to previous episodes. If you, like I said, you know, I kind of need to dust off the rust because we've had some time in between, or if you're new, just to catch up on all the previous episodes. And remember, I try to keep these things short. So for my people that are, you know, returning listeners, you know, all oh, they're usually these, these podcasts, these episodes usually run about 35, 40 minutes. Um, so it's not like you're going to be sitting with me for hours. In fact, you could probably carve out a, a good hour and a half, two hours and hear all my current episodes right now and be caught up. And I swear, once again, a little shameless self-promotion. I feel that it'll it'll help you to, to kind of get on track with where we are. So, as always, before I start the podcast episode, this is six, um, get comfortable, which means find that place where it's quiet, so you know, you won't be disturbed for roughly about thirty five minutes. So whether it's the couch, your favorite chair, or now that it's summertime, maybe it's the patio. And, you know, grab your beverage of choice, coffee, tea, water, a glass of beer, or wine, because it's 5 p.m. someplace. Um, and then let's get started with episode six. So before we get into episode six, though, let's recap episode five, which was titled The Window to the World of You. And episode five focused on building on really episode four. We are, we're focusing on that personal relationship realm because it's the foundation. The relationship you have with you is the foundation to every other relationship that you have in your life. And part of what we were talking about in this journey of self-discovery and self-evaluation is learning how to be objective. It's a word I never want you to ever put to the back burner. Because when you're subjective about everything, it means, oh, I see the world from my view. It's about how I see how things work. When you're objective, it means you can step out of that, that silo of self and begin to look at things, as I would like to say, from the three sides of the coin. And someone's like, what? Because, you know, coins are three-dimensional. There's a top to bottom. And then there's that part that goes around. And when you're objective, you really like saying to yourself, okay, this is how I feel. But is this actually really warranted? Is it spot on? And can I see the other person's point of view? Or can I understand why I'm in this situation? Objectivity is real hard. It's really hard. And when you're able to achieve the ability to be objective in your self-evaluation, the discovery process is entirely different when you keep operating from a subjective standpoint. So just remember that. So episode five, actually we start talking about using outside feedback to help you to gain that object objectivity that maybe you don't have. Now, remember I said, what we're not going to worry about is that idea of, I don't care what people think about me. Well, of course you do. And even if you don't want to, you're going to have to, because there maybe you don't care about what everyone thinks about you, but you definitely care about what someone Things about you, Whether it's your significant other, maybe it's your friends, your boss. There are people that you do care what they think about you because what they think about you, how they feel about you, directly impacts some form of an outcome in your life. Because we don't live on an island. So just know one of the first steps of being objective is accepting the fact that you're going to have to deal with the fact that other people do impact how your life unfolds. So I gave you this tool called Jahari Window. And so, in a nutshell, Jahari Window looks to help you to gain insight into how congruent you are with how you think, feel, and behave, versus how others perceive, interpret, or evaluate you. I know people are like they—they they really did want to jump into it, and I'll say this. Um, If you didn't take the test and you put it on the back burner and the test is available at mayakai.com, you go to the podcast resource section, go to episode five and boom, there's a a recap video of what Jahari's window is in a little bit more detail. And then there was a test you could take. And what the test was is that you picked out a series of descriptors, words. Um, I can't remember how many it was because I took the test so many years ago. It might be up to maybe six. I don't think it's too many because it forces you to really pick the words you feel that truly describe you. So let's say it's six or ten words. And then you pick three to four people, could be more, um, and you send them the link and ask them to pick the words they feel describes you. Now, it's anonymous, so then you get the results sent back to you. And the whole point of it is, how congruent did it match up? You know, there should be some words, if, if you're really being true to who you believe you are, then certain words should be present, and other words may be new to you. And the part about Jahari's window, go back to episode five, because I'm not going to rehash it all, it's about gaining insight into self in four domains, hence like panes of a window. It's things that are known about you that both you and other people would agree upon. Like for instance, I'm a cat person. People people know that about me. And of course I know that about me. And then there might be dimensions of self that only you know about you that people don't know about you. And then there's those areas where people know things about you that you don't know about you. That's the part that th- that people that throws people off their square. Like how in God's name can somebody possibly know something about me that I don't know about myself? Well, this is where this whole self-discovery piece comes in. And then there's that final domain where there's something about you that you don't know and other people don't know. And again, that baffles people as well. But that often happens because a situation arises and something perhaps comes out in your personality or behavior that has never presented itself, good or bad, by the way. Because Johari Window isn't about good or bad. It's purely about perceptions of others have of view and how you believe that you are, and do they match up? Is it congruent? Great self-evaluation tool. So if you put it on the back burner because it was the holiday weekend, that's totally fair. No one's trying to do a mental and emotional heavenly lifting during the holiday. But now we've gotten back to, you know, our life. as It's going to be day-to-day. Let's get back to our work, you know, and check out the test for Jahari Window. Remember, go to myekhi.com podcast resex section, and blah, blah, you can take the test. It doesn't take long. Um, Choosing the people to send it to might be the complicated part, but there will be a companion podcast that supports that called Maya Reflection Episode 5. So you can check that out and it kind of shares with you kind of how to kind of work through and decide who to select and things like that to send the link to. All right. So let's get into Episode 6, which builds upon 4 and 5. How do you talk the talk? Besides walk the walk, this is about talk the talk piece. Meaning, we're going to talk about your communication style. Think on this before we jump into how you communicate. Let's define very loosely. I mean, very loosely. What is communication? Basically put, it's an exchange between one or more individuals, so like you and I, and it can be considered, you know, an exchange. So that exchange could be verbal or nonverbal, trust me. You can tell by people's body language, clearly if they're happy, sad, angry, you decide the emotion and they don't have to say a word. You can look at someone's you know, facial expression and tell if they don't agree with you. You know, the, the classic, they roll their eyes. Right there tells you they're not in agreement with what you just said or what they just heard. So there are lots of different ways that we communicate that often people lose sight of. So exchanges, communication could be anything from touch um, it can be eye contact. Like I said, it can be body language. The thing is, it's the emotional undertones or verbal direction that we give to people when we're talking to them about a situation that may involve them or it may not. It can be something that we're dealing with. So understand that communication is the basis for all human interaction. It's the piece that helps us to be able to understand and interact with each other. And interesting enough, most cultures, schools, families, families, Don't teach how to communicate properly and productively to help to build solid skills so people can go forth in the world and to really be able to express themselves in a way that yields the outcomes that they want. The reason that most people have issues with other people is because they fail to communicate properly. One thing that we all agree about, usually with a mental health psychology standpoint, is that emotion drives behavior. And what drives emotion? is the thoughts and beliefs that are tied to the emotion. So you may have your mind made up about, have you ever said to yourself, I just don't like that person and I don't know why. So in your mind, you've already created the belief for whatever reason that you can't actually validate. You don't know why. It's a hunch, a feeling that you don't like a person. So hence, your emotional response to them is, I don't like you. I have disdain. It could be strong or it could be weak, depending on the relationship with the person. And then how you behave towards them is driven by those two things. So you may be standoffish, you might be cold, you may be stern with them because you don't particularly care for them as a person. So emotions and thoughts are so key. So of course, they're the foundations even within proper communication. Okay, so since we've defined what communication is, let's discuss how, how, what's your style? Because there's four different styles that we, we look at that really have, you know, um, unique characteristics about them that each of us tend to harness. And it's going to have verbal and nonverbal components in the delivery. So, of course, there's going to be body language, gestures, tone of voice, and how we deliver information to people. So, as I said, there's, there's four types and they're defined. And trust me, the minute I say them, you go, oh, I know those. There's passive, aggressive, passive aggressive, and assertive those are the the four communication styles that exist but before we break down the four basic communication styles let's be clear about what we want to get from this episode the purpose one we want to understand these communication styles to help you to understand why you use them as well as others may use them two We want to gain insight into the strengths and weaknesses associated with each of the communication styles because there's 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 positive negatives with each one of them. Now, note this. It's important to acknowledge that there is no best communication style because we often actually mix communication styles depending on situations, other people's communication styles. So understand that communication is not like this isolated singular event. So sit on that for a minute. Anything I talk about within the podcast is not driven by what's right or wrong. It's driven about what's best for you and understanding perhaps maybe something has been a hiccup for you your entire life because of how you communicated with people. Quick story about communication. So I'm sure many people know who Ayana Van Zant is. You know, she's on the, the OWN network. She's written more books about, you know, self-discovery, self-help, very direct black woman. I add that in there because, you know, stereotypes drive people what they believe that you're going to be like. You ever hear people say, and I don't care who's listening, this is just a truth, that black women are so aggressive and angry. The angry black woman. It's interesting. The minute you display your emotion, people often peg you as being angry. But you know what's interesting about it? The key behind that perception of you, if you've heard that about yourself or if you're the aggressive black man, Is One, it is built upon a stereotype that you must be angry because of, one, racial connotations of stereotypes. But it's often about the delivery message. It's your communication style. Whereas on the flip side, you may have other cultures that are deemed to be more subdued, like Asians. Um, My Latino contingent can also be looked at as being fiery. See, it's it's not angry or aggressive. It's fiery Latins. Interesting. Almost behind all of those stereotypes are communication styles. So keep that in mind as we're talking about that. But just remember, it's never really about right or wrong about this or positive and negative. It's about understanding what's behind it and either how it has served to benefit you or it's attracted you or taken you off your square and the outcome from the situation isn't what you wanted. So that's always what we're doing is putting something in perspective. So let's get back to what I said, that there are four communication styles You may mix or use more than one, depending on situation or who you're dealing with and their communication style, but understand that you tend to have a dominant style about you more often than not. And what we'll do is break down each of the communication styles and the characteristics to understand the common use and elements that make them unique, and then kind of how they play into how you use them. So again, the four communication styles, passive, aggressive, passive-aggressive. And, assertive. and I know at some point of time, everybody has heard someone say, oh, that's so passive aggressive. Well, hopefully you'll walk away with greater understanding or understanding if you've heard it before and didn't quite know what that meant. So let's start with passive. So a passive communication style, and we'll talk about it like individual. So we'll refer and say individual or people because we are talking about people. People that are, are kind of considered to be passive are individuals who use passive communication styles and that using beings, they tend to act indifferently to others. Major characteristics of this communication style is that it fails to express feeling. So what this means is people who are passive are often putting their, their feelings on the back burner, as along with their needs and wants, and they allow others to express themselves. Now, right now, as we're talking about these things, it's, it's okay if you can think, oh, I know someone who's like that, but every time we talk about something, I, wanna, I want you to be thinking about you, because it's about you. You're going to know and see it in other people, but the question is, can you step outside of that subjective box you're in and learn to be objective, which is one of our key goals of every single episode, and say, mm, that's me. So just remember, because I know it's easy to kind of flip that switch and start thinking about other people. I need you to bring it back center and to think about you. Okay, so... People that are passive tend to put their feelings, thoughts and needs and wants on the back burner and let other people have more importance. They frequently lack that outward communication that can lead to misunderstandings. Often that can result in anger buildup or even resentment for them because they never express themselves. So considered to be. It can it can be considered to be a good communication style during. Difference of opinion or conflict. See, like I said, there can be positives to every communication style. However, generally speaking, most people and research has kind of yielded that it's often not good. So what that means is if a person who is passive happens to be in a situation with someone who's aggressive, they step back and opposed to letting the argument just boil over. They kind of just kind of step back and say, I'm going to let you do you. I don't agree with this. And then, like I said, it can result to anger or resentment, but they don't engage the other person. Hence, it means it kind of they can walk away because they're not confrontational. So just know that the passive people are not confrontational. Other characteristics that you can note about a person that's passive, kind of like that physical, if you're looking for those body language and things like that, the nonverbal cues, is often they'll lack eye contact. Um, They'll be poor body posture. So like kind of slumping over, shoulders are down. Um, The biggest thing about people that are passive communicators is they literally cannot say no to other people. And they often act in a way that people never understand my feelings. Well, I'm going to tell you why that's such a detriment to people who are passive. People don't understand your feelings because you don't bother to tell them what you feel or what you think because you're so busy trying to avoid confrontation that people can't read into it. I'll give you a prime example. I have a friend who is a classic passive person and we just talked about it. And I thought out told her not as being a therapist as being her friend. She has a situation where she's had a childhood friend and they've been close for more than 30 years. And literally, this person's a very nice person. But on the, on the other side, I would say she's kind of more of the passive-aggressive type person in situations depending. But with her particular mutual friend, I would say she's very aggressive. She's very matter-of-fact. The person may start to state their opinion about something. She shuts it down, makes them feel wrong. And as my friend said, you know, she makes me feel like she's always right and that because this is interesting. Because she went to the University of Chicago which is known to be a very, very, uh, you know, a school that uh, if you go there, you must be very intelligent and smart, that that leads that because my friend did not go to college, she just finished high school, she makes her feel inferior. We're going to talk about those aggressive people. And I looked at her and I said, did you tell her how you feel? And she said, no. I said, why? And here's the sad part. The friend actually realized that she had been inappropriate and apologized to her and said, you know, I feel like I was very bitter and aggressive with you the other day. I'm sorry for that. And I looked at my friend. I said, when she said that to you, a door and opportunity opened up for you to share how you felt. Did you say anything? And she said no. And then she went into, you know, the fact that she apologized, you know, that was good. At least she realized I said, But what she doesn't realize is how you how she makes you feel. I said, but the reason you didn't say anything is because one, you absolutely hate confrontation. And two, you're afraid that it might jeopardize your friendship with her if you tell her how you feel. I said, what kind of friendship is that? And then she went dark on me for a while. (laughs) Mind you, this is a friend to friend conversation. It's not a therapist conversation, but I get tired of it because you know what? I'm the person that she runs to and complains about it. And I decided I was going to start to pump the brakes and be like, hey, look, stop. And I always preface it, I'm not talking to you about this because it's therapist or counselor in me. I'm telling you this is a friend, which is probably underlying a therapist in me. <laughs> but anyways, so that's an example of someone who's passive and how that affects them. And you know, you'll hear of a person who is passive say things like, it really doesn't impact me much. It's okay, I can manage. Just accepting the, the emotional and mental burden that builds up and they get overwhelmed. And by the way, that person I was talking about, after the encounter she was having with a friend, started having really bad anxiety. And then who does she call to talk about it? She's like, I woke up out of my sleep and I was feeling so anxious. So it was having an impact on her, though she was trying to behave that it wasn't. Okay, let's move on to that aggressive communication style. So it's often apparent when someone communicates in an aggressive manner, you hear it, you see it, and oh, do you feel it. There's also multiple cues about aggressive communication that it's happening because you often can see in a person's facial expression and their body language. So aggressive communication style emphasizes things like speaking loudly, being demanding, and you can hear it in the tone of their voice, being very intense with eye contact and dominating or or attempting to control the conversation. And often blaming or intimidating, criticizing, being threatening or attacking a person verbally are some of the traits you see with aggressive people. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Most people are never going to want to own that they have an aggressive communication style. Remember what I said. You're dominant in one, but it doesn't mean that occasionally you may not display another depending on situation the person you're interacting with. Because Remember, I say people really impact the way we respond, though we think and feel it's driven by interaction with people. So I'm pretty sure most people will say, well, I know a person who's so aggressive. The question is, have you ever been aggressive? And I would say if you have, think about the situation, what was going on, and why did it elicit that type of communication style from you? So aggressive communication, it often, you know, issues commands. Um, it often, people will often ask questions rudely. Um, and the key thing is they fail to listen to what the other person is saying. So they talk, 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 talk. And a person says something and it's like Charlie Brown. Hopefully you know what I mean when I say Charlie Brown. Um, if not, just Google it. Uh, you know, Adults talking to Charlie Brown. And boom, you'll hear the wong, 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 wong. So that's a key thing, though. They're not listening to, to actually hear what you're saying. They're only hearing you so that when you stop talking, they can respond because they already figured out what they want to say next. So that's that aggressive communication style. But what's interesting is I told you there's a flip side to everything because people that often have aggressive communication styles often are leaders and can command respect from others around them because they often, in some cases, depending on overall characteristics a person has, aggression can be looked at as passion. See, there's a fine line with this, that some people's aggressiveness can be fiery and passionate. So some people's, it's about delivery. Um, I was telling you a story about Ayala Van Zandt, and then I realized I stopped telling you the story for whatever reason. Because sometimes I get so excited that I just kind of digress. That's the thing about these podcasts. It's really me having a conversation with you. And I love the fact that, oh, I just got off track. I didn't tell you the story about Ayala Van Zandt. This is a good example. Cause now she has an aggressive style that's looked at two different ways. She told a story in one of her books. I can't remember which one it was. It's one of her earlier books that she wrote. And she had said that she had a confrontation with a coworker at work who happened to be a white female about whatever. When she walked away to go to lunch, the person was at their desk. When she came back from lunch, her boss approaches her and says, what did you do to so-and-so? I could be for, I could be funny and say, Karen, but I won't. Cause that would be wrong and petty. Um, and she's like, what are you talking about? Ayala is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I came back and Karen was in the closet, in the supply closet, having an anxiety attack. And she's like, and she said that you and, she, you and her got into an argument and she felt very threatened by you. Not safe. And Yolana was like, what are you talking about? When I left, Karen was sitting at her desk. Interesting enough, long short of the story. Is that it was because Ayala has a very intense style and personality. It also plays into that angry black woman thing. That she just is right to the point and didn't mince any words with Karen. And then Karen behaved differently. But her boss was almost willing to believe that Ayala had really been aggressive and had really been kind of threatening to Karen. And Ayala said that's when she stepped back and started kind of looking at her personality and character. Like, you know something? I know I didn't do that, but why was it interpreted that way? So here comes that objectivity, that self-evaluation and discovery that steps out of that subjective silo we like to stay in and say, why was it seen that way? And she began to understand her communication style, which then goes on to her becoming this self-help guru that she's turned into and Life Coach about understanding that you can be assertive, you can be aggressive, and it can be looked at as being passionate, assertive, or it can be looked at as being negative, negative. And, you know, aggressive and threatening. So remember, this, this aggressive style, depending on your overall personality type, can be interpreted different ways. Sometimes we see those fiery speakers and we're like, man, yes, you get pumped up. But outside of that, that wasn't a person speaking to thousands of people. We might look at that person and be like, whoa, that fellow over there. He's aggressive. Oh, goodness. So remember, perception is everything in this. This is why you should do Jahari's window. I'm going to keep pushing that. Let's move on to the third type, passive aggressive. So passive aggressive communication style users, they appear passive on the surface, but within that person often may feel powerless or stuck. So there's there's a buildup of resentment that leads to seething or acting out in subtle or indirect or secret ways. So most passive aggressive communicators will do things like kind of talk under their breath, mutter to themselves. they're confronted with an issue or a person because they have a difficulty acknowledging their anger. So they may use facial expressions that don't, this is key, that do not correlate with how they feel and even deny there's a problem. So for instance, they may feel offended by someone in an exchange and they may say, oh no, I'm cool. I'm fine. No worries. And And that's the face they put on, but inside they're seething. They're really angry, but the outside looks like they're not offended at all. So hence the person they're interacting with may or may not care, depending on their communication style, doesn't know maybe they offended them or there's some kind of disconnect with the person that they're talking to. So passive aggressive communicators, when it comes to body language, because they lack open communication with others, um, they usually will do things like give you the silent treatment. or here's the thing about the danger of passive aggressive people. They'll spread rumors behind your back Um, They'll sabotage other people's efforts behind behind, you know, the the curtain behind closed doors, because that's where they feel like they can move and do things without the confrontation, because just like passive people, passive aggressive people don't like the confrontation. So they'll step back and let it happen. But all the while, they're planning on a way to get back at you. So this is why passive aggressive people um, often come across as being cooperative, but silently. They're totally the opposite of what you think. Now, what's interesting about passive aggressive, you're like, what could possibly be a positive about this particular communication style? They are aware of their needs, but they struggle with finding the voice to say them. So I can't tell you that there's really necessarily a good thing about passive aggressive people, except for the fact of things won't get out of hand from a verbal confrontation standpoint because they'll pull away. So that can be a good thing for the person who might be aggressive for things not to go too far. Or things not to spill over where it gets aggressive and that's that can be a key thing if we got to find a positive examples of of things you might hear passive aggressive communicator communicators say is mm, that's fine with me but don't be surprised if someone else gets mad see they're telling you i'm okay with it but i'm really not but somebody else might have an issue with it and a person who is attuned to good communication styles should hear that and say well If you're okay with it, why do you think that others might have an issue with it? Like, what's up? (laughs) See, red flag, red flag. Um, They may also say something like, sure, um, we can do things your way. And they may be like, your way? (laughs) Roll their eyes, that kind of stuff. Um, And they might say something like, even though I think it's stupid, but hey, that's what you want to do. That's passive aggressive. And the thing is, right now, people are saying, I've encountered this in so many times and didn't realize what I was encountering and didn't know how to kind of, understand the feedback you were getting from someone's communication styles. So I'll be honest, passive aggressive people are probably one of the least desired four types of communication, and you need to avoid it as much as possible. You need to avoid being that person. And when you identify it, you need to figure out why is this person being passive aggressive and try to be the better communicator and address the real issue at hand. The final and fourth communication style is assertive. And it's often regarded by many to be the most effective form of communication. It's what you should, you want want to be, it should be what we should all be striving and trying to evolve to because it's a style that features open communication and it's about being open without being overbearing, the two O's. You can be open without being overbearing and some people struggle to figure out how to strike that balance. So assertive communication, people often understand how to express their own needs and desires and ideals and feelings, but here's what's key while also considering the needs and desires and wants of others. It means they're able to strike that balance. So assertive communicators, they aim for both sides to have like a win-win situation if possible. You know, one rights is right for somebody else, even though we got to maybe find some place to meet in the middle. So they're always trying to strike a balance. And that doesn't mean that they're trying to bend over backwards or, you know, be a brown noser. It means like, I understand that it's important that we both walk away with something here. And it can't all be about me. So where's the balance in this? And they learn how to communicate that. Um, Obviously, the key thing about assertive people is that they really, that there's a congruency with the thoughts and beliefs, the emotion that it elicits, and how they're able to display or that behavior they show outside. So they're congruent across the board. That takes a lot of work because even the best of us are not always assertive in our communication style. Because remember, situation and people often can elicit different responses from you. How you might respond to your boss may be entirely different than how you respond to your kids, your significant other, siblings, friends, whatever. Because those are all different types of relationship. And those are realms we're going to get into in other episodes. This is why understanding you right now. Is so important because then we can, like, say, now understand what we talked about communication style. Why is there a communication barrier between you and your significant other or your children? Let's talk about how we share our messages with each other. So this is what, once again, another important episode. So things that you can hear an assertive communicator say are things like this. We are equally entitled to express ourselves respectfully to one another. I know I've said that, so I feel proud that I do have some assertive communication skills. I realize I have choices in my life and I consider my options. I respect others' rights. I respect what you're saying. I always tell people that when you lead into a difficult conversation, setting the table is one of the most important things you can do. One, by letting the person know you're about to have a conversation with, that I'm about to say something to you that you might not like. But more importantly, I need to have a conversation with you and it's, it's something that for me is really important. Is this the right time for you? Because I don't want to have this right now if this is not the right time for you because I got to say some things that might be difficult because it's difficult for me to have to say. So I need to make sure that this is the right time. I'm not catching you that you know that you've got other things on your mind. It's interesting. Understand, becoming an assertive, communic- assertive communicator, the key thing is getting your message across to people. Not just saying what you want to say, but making sure that a person actually understands what you're saying. This is where we often fall short. Well, I said what I wanted to say, but the question is, did the person actually understand and at the core of what you were trying to express, did they get it? Or did you allow them to read between the lines? As far as you're concerned, you just got it off. Mm. And that's what we're all so guilty of, especially when things are heated or conflicted or people just bring that emotion out in you and you finally find the courage to address how you feel. But the key thing is, do they really understand how you feel? See, this is where the art of communication is more than just the words that you say. My grandma used to always say, may she rest in peace. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I tell people that all the time. When you come across aggressive, when you come across like you're being demanding, instantly people are backing away from you. And they're often not hearing what you're saying. You want people to listen to you, not just hear you. Distinctive difference. Listening means I'm attuned, I'm dialed in, and I'm processing what you're saying. Hearing is your mouth is moving, but I'm not really trying to process anything you're saying. In fact, I'm probably waiting for you to stop or I might cut you off because I'm not liking what I'm hearing and I'm just ready to verbally jostle with you, so to speak. So here's a question. How can you develop that assertive communication style? Because really, that's where we want to move to. Well, here's what's key. Write this down. I didn't tell you to grab pencil and paper, but this is worthy. Take ownership of your own actions. I know. Accountability is always something that's going to be the cross section in most conversations that we have. Stop looking for the wrong in others and the right in yourself and figure out what am I in control of when it comes to me? And am I taking full ownership of what I can be accountable for? Other good communicators, and this can be intense, is maintaining eye contact. You know when you feel uncomfortable, you start looking away? To be able to look someone in the eyes and to convey, I know you're not going to like what I have to say, but I really have to say this to you. Understand that facial expression and the look in your eyes When you're sincere is often soft. When you're angry, you can tell. But being able to maintain eye contact with people say a lot about you. Also, when you're trying to be assertive, avoiding blame. Because when you start blaming people, they instantly shut down. Like, oh, here we go. So now everything is my fault. I don't hear you taking responsibility for anything. I didn't do this. So the key thing is what I just said a couple seconds ago. And I'm going to let this, I'm going to say it, let it sit there, and let it totally rain down on you is that it's about taking responsibility for what you are accountable for in a situation. And it's not looking to say, you should have, you didn't. Even if you feel that's the case, it's how you communicate that to them that's either gonna make them be open and receptive or shut you down. Remember, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Let that rain down on you. All right, let's get back in session. So, when you learn how to take responsibility for your emotions and feelings and communicate them properly, it does mean that, generally speaking, you won't be blaming people, and you'll feel confident enough to look people in the eyes. So you see how the first one was so important? More importantly, and this is something that's interesting, learning to say no when it's appropriate. It's a real skill to develop it. Seriously. A lot of people struggle with saying no, because they feel guilty. Well, now that's when you got to step back and say, why do I feel guilty about saying no? If it's not good for me, if it serves no purpose, this gets back into learning the difference between being selfish and being selfless. And understanding when it's important to be selfish or selfless. Even if someone doesn't like it, everything you do in life, people aren't gonna like it. So just like people have no problem telling you no at times, Don't have a problem with telling other people no. But the key thing, it's how you say no. And I think it's important when you say no to someone, being clear about why you are saying no or denying something that they're asking you for. So they understand that you're not just trying to be difficult, but there's a reason behind why you're saying no. And they might say, okay, I see your point. I still don't like it, but I see your point why you're saying no. Be clear when you're saying no, but here's why I'm saying no. Matter of fact, just put it out there right from the onset of the conversation. Um, I know you asked me this. I'm going to have to say no at this time, or it's a hard and fast no. Let me explain why. Because of this, this, and this. And if they don't respect it, it's okay. Because you're not living to appease people continually in your life. Remember, it's that self-doubt and self-sabotage that always floods in on us because we're always hanging on the approval of someone else often when we don't need their approval to move forward with many things in our lives. So being able to, here's another point that's important to become an assertive communicator, is being able to voice your needs and desires confidently without being ashamed is not something that you should struggle with. It's not like you're being unreasonable if this is something that legitimately is important to you, but if you can't express why it's important to you, you'll be missed in translation very often. These are key things that you need to do to be able to become an assertive communicator. In personal relationships in private professional and pervasive so now that we learn the basic four communication styles it's very important that you pay attention and practice and analyze how you're communicating and do you think you're being congruent with how you think and feel Because that's the first thing that's going to help you figure out your communication style is why well, I think this way and I feel this way because I think this way and this is how I tend to behave so now you can start to assess that be as objective as you possibly can so You should always have a goal when you set out to speak your mind. Be able to communicate your message to others. Make sure that you know exactly who you're communicating to and that the situation is right. Two, can you communicate that message to the intended person? But here's what's interesting. Are they going to understand it? But more importantly, did they listen or hear you? So did you just voice your opinion but, and walked away, but you don't know if they really understood you? That's important that, you know, you got to have objectives in your communication. Say, when I say this to this person, I need to make sure this gets done. You need to be able to communicate your intended message and do it objectively. So did what I say and how I said it, did I deliver that message that I was seeking to get to them? Are you able to achieve your objective without damaging the relationship? That's the other part that's hard about this for a lot of people. So did you speak to what you were thinking or feeling truly and honestly? Or did you sugarcoat it because you were afraid that a person wouldn't be receptive to what you had to say? And then another objective, obviously, in good communication is, were you able to maintain the relationship? Did you achieve the objective with others through the whole process? So these things are all interlinked. You can see one builds to the other, to the other, to the other. And there, there's reasons and rewards to wanting to attain the ability to learn and utilize effective communication still. So always remember, we have goals with this. Because one, when you become an effective communicator, meaning you want to be assertive, it will help you to strengthen your relationship with others because you're coming from a point of being succinct in how you think and you feel and you're congruent. And they could be like, you know, Maya says what she what she says is what she does. That's key. If you say one thing and do something else, people tend to notice that. But when you become an effective communicator, it means you've taken the time to think about what it is that you want and need, how that makes you feel and behave accordingly, hence communicate properly. It will also help you to improve your ability to work well with others within relationships, whether it's those personal relationships with, and private relationships, professional, pervasive. You will improve in all facets of your life because you're able to communicate with people on a level that creates understanding, not just for you, but for them. And it will also make you better at making decisions and solving problems. With It won't become such a cumbersome task when you do these things. So having effective communication skills will help you to present information, even if it's negative or difficult, without creating conflict or destroying trust. That's the key thing. Because you'll learn how to be assertive and to deliver the message. Even when you get a person who might be aggressive or passive aggressive or passive, you'll know they understood you. Here's the thing, what people do with what you share is out of your control. Accountability is about you with communication style. So the takeaways from this episode, when it's all said and done, you should be properly communicating So, AKA expressing yourself to others, because remember, it's the glue that's going to hold everything else together. When what you say and what you do are congruent, it leaves very little room for people to misunderstand you or perceive you wrong. So, remember I started building this episode, this conversation with episode four, That's where we began the journey. So I would say go back to four and listen to four and five. And six will have a lot more meaning because I gave you other tools to use to be successful. So I would strongly encourage you. You don't have to go back to one, though I would say go back to one. Remember, you can always find um, all of my episodes in the iTunes, Google podcast, as well as our Heart Radio podcast platforms. And... If not, if you just want to make it simple, you can just go to mayakai.com and listen that way. So everybody, that's it for me. So until next time, remember, your present becomes your past and your future is no more. So make the most of every day, everyone. Until next time, take care.